everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, we are talking about what makes us valuable in the workplace. How do we become valuable or do we even want to become valuable with our bosses? All that and more in a little bit. But first, here's the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama urged Congress today to summon, quote, political courage and act quickly on immigration reforms. The president says he expects a bill to hit Capitol Hill by next month. U.S. forces handed control of Bagram prison in Afghanistan over today to local authorities. Bagram has been called Afghanistan's Guantanamo and has been a source of friction between the new Afghan government and the remaining American force. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments in the challenge to California's gay marriage ban tomorrow and Wednesday. The court could also strike down the Clinton-era Defense of Marriage Act during this case. A Michigan law which bans affirmative action for college admission decisions in the state will also be getting attention from the Supreme Court. The law was approved by popular vote when it was passed in 2006. In Galveston, Texas, authorities are thoroughly investigating the disappearance of a vial containing a deadly virus. Researchers say there is no danger to the general public if the vial was stolen, but the current theory is that a cleaning crew accidentally destroyed the sample. In world news, Prince Harry is headed back to the U.S. to visit troops and victims of Hurricane Sandy. His trip is part of an effort to raise funds for his charity and help rehabilitate soldiers. A report in this morning's New York Times says Western powers have been providing weapons to aid the Syrian rebel forces as the two-year civil war continues to worsen. Opposition forces have now closed in on Damascus, shelling less than a mile away from the presidential palace. Just before the deadline, European Union and Cyprus officials have finally cut a deal to save the nation's banks. The new plan, which will tax large accounts in the tax haven, is expected to raise $4.2 billion. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Just giving Skyboy a little uh, trouble there. Did you see how long it took me to get in? He was just like, come on, come on. Hey, it's my show. Chomping at the bit. (laughs) When you have your show, Skyboy, that says the Skyboy Show, you can come in when you want to Yeah, when is that going to happen? Well, at this rate, not for a long time. I've done the pilot and everything. <laughs> yeah. It includes a superhero named Skyboy, who, uh, whose grandma and mom... Actually, Matt, you've never heard the pilot, so I don't oh. think you actually know what it involves. Well, your therapist called and said <laughs> it included your mom and your super... Your mom and grandma, who were also your, your superheroes. They were, what do they call it? Your sidekicks. Skyboy writes letters in the sky... And saves little kids' lives. This show sounds terrible. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was Matt's imagination. (laughs) There's always a dog caught in a well. Eh, Those dogs. Dogs. They're not a swim. Yeah. (laughs) So this is why, Sky, this show is for you. Okay. This show is about becoming valuable at work. Okay. And it's just a subtle effort to give you some ideas for how to get your own show. 
Ooh, I like that. You like it? I do. So, you know, because if you want to stay employed and have your own show, you got to be valuable. Got to start working. So I wanted to just do a little, you know, interview with you over the air right now. Okay. <laughs> um, what, what do you think makes you valuable? Um, I'm on time. I always start the show on time. Sometimes I try and start the show when it's supposed to start, even if the host is kind of taking a while to turn on the mic and, uh-huh. and get going. But I'm always ready. Uh-huh. And that makes you valuable. It makes okay. me very valuable. Good. What else? Um, I have a can-do attitude. <laughs> 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 you can't even say it without laughing. Right. A can-do attitude. A can-do really? attitude. Except I do. for the things you can't do. Yeah. But, I mean... Tell me, tell me about your button pushing when, like, we make a really funny joke and there's no supportive buttons being pushed to um, get added layering of audio. What, what about it? Yeah, well, it seems like that would add a lot of value. <laughs> if I push the buttons. I push the buttons sometimes. You want me to push a button? Yeah, Do just it. give us one. Do it. There's a button. That's a great button. And why have I never heard that button? Because it's never come up. There's been there's been no reason to put you, that. That's sound. a zinger button. You've never heard a zinger? Not well <laughs> Not from our show. From show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, this is why we're doing the show. And it's not just for you, Skyboy. It's just you're just a great target. You always target me. But in a good way. Yeah. And your mom really thinks she needs you to keep the job because they're tired of supporting you. Okay. And they love you. They send their regards. Do you talk to them? Every week. Wow. They really do. And they're just worried about what you're going to do if this doesn't work out. Well, thanks for doing this show for me, Matt. (laughs) I'm here to serve. Valuable. What makes you valuable? As I think about it, I told you guys before, I always look every single uh, week I'm looking in the want ads for a job. You're just looking for that real job, for that career path for you? Well, it's kind of, I think, this inbred thing in me that you're never sure – you know, maybe you just always need to have something else. There's never. What are, what what are you looking for? A job, not like I want a new job, but what if there's a job out there? Like what? What would well, make you change? What if there's a job out there that has everything you've ever wanted, and it's right there, and they just posted it? That's what I want to know. What's everything you ever wanted? Dancer. Dancer. That's what no, I know. But I actually don't know. It's just I kind of like what I have a lot. It's just what if there's something else? See. So am I ready if there is something else? Like what if the perfect job – I don't even know what the perfect Are job Are you would be. valuable enough Are you valuable that enough that, you're, that everyone around you knows, hey, oh, yeah, that guy's got it? Or, or better yet, if you're going to change job, are you valuable enough that your current employer will fight for you? Would they fight for you? And know, would, they, would there be a bidding war? Because <laughs> if there's a bidding war, then look at how really valuable you are. I'd fight for you, Skyboy. Thanks, Matt. I totally would. I would fight to get you paid on this show. <laughs> That'd be nice. Actually, you are paid. Um, so that's our topic today. Now, valuable is a, it's kind of an interesting thing, and we're going to be bringing on an expert that's going to help us. He's, he's writing a new book. His name's Dave Crenshaw. He's an author of a bunch of other uh, things. He's a speaker. He's a business coach. But he's going to be talking about the um, basically being invaluable, the secret of becoming irreplaceable, and, you know, It's a pretty big deal in this world where nothing's guaranteed. You may not have a job tomorrow. Everything's changing. You need to be invaluable, irreplaceable. So we'll be talking to him. But before we do, let's get into some of the research. I know there's some research about, you know, what makes you valuable. And sometimes it might not be what you think. Isn't it a help if you have a gift that makes you valuable in the workplace? Yes. 
I think it does. And the source of the gift might just be attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Oh, oh. ADHD? So ADHD may be a gift if you want to be irreplaceable? Talking, believe it or not, you're talking Weird. with... Because, uh, see, a lot of people see that as a detriment. Yeah, well, you think... you ab- can't stay focused and you're always, like, bouncing off the walls, so You think speak. about talented people. Sometimes they have emotional disorders and other sure. things they struggle with. ADHD is one, though, that brings talents with it. For instance, creativity. Yeah, highly creative. Yeah, highly creative. What workplace isn't going to value that? Yeah. Do, yeah, but they got to deliver, right, on the creativity. Yeah, well, that may be another aside, but at least they're bringing it to the table. Yep. We have, uh, just to kind of draw the curtain back, if you go downstairs in this building, there is a, what they call the Creative Services Department. And these are people who have no left brains. They were born completely with just a right brain. Just right brain people. They, they don't have any clocks on the wall or anything because they just can't keep track of time. You know, they throw squishy balls back and forth and yeah. just have a good time. But they'll come up with some of the most hilarious marketing campaigns right. for BYU TV. That I go, where'd, where'd you come up with that? You're not you saying they all have ADHD, do you? No, but the creativity is, is incredibly valuable that many of us just don't have. We That's have a big, solid left brains, and we can't bring it in there. Well, being able to bring the creativity to a workplace makes you invaluable because, you know, a person right. who's ADHD brings some creativity. They can do something nobody else in the company can. That's, I, t- I actually agree with this because I know – a man personally who's not just creative, but he can actually handle a thousand things at a time. But and so he and he has rabid ADHD, and he can like be thinking and doing and throwing all these things out. But he has an assistant that isn't, and she they they leverage it. They leverage his special gift. She can <laughs> and, actually write all of his ideas down so yeah, they happen. He literally has two three hundred emails a day, and he just thrives on it. And just loves it and goes through them and dictates stuff to her and then she makes it happen. Hmm. People with ADHD also bring emotional sensitivity, increased emotional sensitivity to the workplace. That's cool. This is a gift. They bring exuberance to the workplace. So does this study say that they actually are highly valued? Um, I'm extrapolating that okay. because if you think about exuberance, I mean, we all know them. I mean, I'm not trying to stereotype lunch ladies because there's a lot of very talented. I know some yeah, lunch ladies who are very sure. talented and very passionate about their job. But come on, you think back to when you were in elementary school decades ago. There was that one lunch lady who just <laughs> wasn't exuberant about the job anymore. Yeah, she, she was tired. She didn't... had served all the sloppy joes she wanted. Well, it's just what looked more sad: the corn or the lunch lady? Like, there's nothing worse than a sad lunch lady scooping corn. It's just you know. Well, I can understand. She came in with exuberance, but all the thanks you ever get is complaints. Well, this is interesting. I had I just barely had a meeting with a man that had bipolar disorder. Didn't know he had it till he went away on an assignment in another country and was in this country for 10 months. And in bipolar, he went manic, but he was manic like um, – what's the word? Like manic, really responsive, attentive, incredible – and he actually got promoted, 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 and then placed in the most distant land in Taiwan because he was doing so well as a manic bipolar. However, when he got out in the boonies of Taiwan, he had a major breakdown, swung the entire other way, and went bipolar the other way. But you're probably right. We actually could value somebody that has bipolar. 
or that has ADHD. And they could actually pull a lot of really cool – or they could show a lot of really cool strengths. Because they, if, if the symptoms are managed, yeah. the, the negative symptoms, they get this cool talent for free. So people they out there with keep. ADHD or any kind of you know, issue, they, that don't just think it's bad. There's, there's benefits that people could value. I mean exuberance. Okay, so you see the little kid running around the classroom who yeah. has ADHD. But as you grow up to an, be an adult and you manage those symptoms better – Imagine going into a meeting where you're having to deal with some boring aspect of your job that nobody wants to do, and then the exuberant guy comes in, and yeah. suddenly everybody gets enrolled, and they're on board, and they think, this is neat. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's hard. That's the other half. But you have to manage the other half. Well, on the other side of things, on the flip side. The flip side. Of course, there has to be a There's flip side. Always, uh, in no way it's coming from you. No. Me pulling the other direction. It's like that's my job. That's, that's your like, gift. That's why I'm valuable. That's why you're valuable. That's Invaluable. Not, that's not good. Don't they call Without... that uh, devil's advocate? Yeah. <laughs> right. Are you the devil? Mm, could be. Advocate. Bryce's advocate. Bryce's advocate. No. Well, when it comes to, to ADHD, there are some negative symptoms that uh, that can get in the way of work ethic or in the things that you're doing. For example, a, an issue that a lot of people have with ADHD is cutting people off mid-sentence. What'd they, you say? What'd you say? What? Huh? Sorry? Um, I was finishing my sentence. Oh, there, I'm Matt. sorry. I didn't know you were talking. Oh. Um, yeah, it's things like that. It's the, I think I already know where you're going, and I don't really want to wait for you to finish that sentence, so I'm just going to jump in there and, and act like I think I think you're going to finish it. That's not good. And it's kind of a mess, which some ways, some ways that's nice. It gets the conversation moving, sure. Well, especially right? when you do know where they're going. Right, and if you you're just right, want to get there faster. Right, like with Skyway, you know how we always do that in the meetings. Where... Oh, I know how he always does that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We just like to. Yeah, I know what you mean. Thanks, Skyway. We got it. I haven't been into a meeting in months. Yeah, he really hasn't. I know that's what's funny about the whole thing because you do it without even being there. Okay, that's how special you are. That's how much you like my presence is felt, even when I'm not there. Yeah, we'd like you there more. So then we could make fun of you. I mean, in a good way. Right. I wouldn't make fun of you. Thanks, Bryce. You're welcome. Okay. Good team. Good team moment. <laughs> uh, what else you got, Bryce? Well, uh, other things. Impulsivity, which that could be very useful. You totally. Know, grabbing the bull by the horns, yeah. maybe not even looking and checking out how big that bull is before right. you- Jump you, off uh, the third floor. What's the worst thing do it. that can you happen? Just do it. You know what? Just jump. No, don't do that. Please don't jump off the third floor of anything. But uh, impulsivity, certainly useful in yeah. some situations, but impulsivity kind of gets all over the place. It's maybe you're spending irresponsibly. Maybe you're doing maybe, things that you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you're throwing things from one part of the room to the other part of the room while the other person is on air. And you're <laughs> making it harder for that person to do their on air stuff while you're doing that. That sounds very specific and like it happens in here, but it never, never. happens in here. Mm-mm. It might happen often, but <laughs> but things like just not thinking, like hiring someone you shouldn't hire just because it seems like a good idea at the time. Yeah, and like, this is a real though issue. Like if you have ADHD, you've got to know you have ADHD, right? Or it could be costing you. It could be because you're like all impulsive, maybe, right? Or it could be your to your advantage, like Rob was just talking about that you might be able to get more done, you might be able to create more enthusiasm, you might be super creative, or you might be impulsive, right? This is complicated. It is. And I think that's kind of the issue with valuable is some things are valuable in some places. Some things are valuable uh, in certain situations. But who decides who's what's valuable? Does Skyboy tell me what's valuable or do I decide? I, d- I decide. 
You decide what's valuable for you. I just decide what's valuable in general. Well, oh. in reality, actually, if you think about it, he is the one operating the board. He really does decide. If I don't like what you're valuable. saying, Matt, I can just turn you off. Except when I see his boss walk in, uh, we very quickly see that he then defers to his boss. It's like it hinges on mm. the boss. Yeah, so it's really Don that decides what's most valuable. Really, it stops. But then Don probably goes to his boss, and his boss goes to his boss, and everyone's got a boss. Everyone. And if not, you've got a wife. Next thing you know, you've gone all the way up to the president of the United States. So then it's Barack Obama's fault. It's it all comes back to him, I guess. But then he answers to his wife. Oh, Oh, it's Michelle Obama. It's Michelle Obama. Michelle. But does she answer to her parents? Her mother. See, hello, her mother. Her mother. It's Michelle Obama's mother that's running this world. Wow. And nobody even looks at her. I don't even know what value. she looks like. <laughs> she's, she's been playing from the shadows the whole it's time. so great. Well, that's what we are going to get into, the value. How do you create value in your job? How do you create value in your life to make sure that, you know what, if somebody, if there's going to be a chopping block, how do you make sure you're not on the block? Wouldn't that be good to know? Why did you just look like that? Uh, you may have accidentally quoted something that I pre-recorded that we're going to play in a little bit, but whatever. See what that means? That means we're on the same page. Unfortunately. Highly valuable. Okay. Okay, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear that pre-recorded thing that Bryce Tobin said I quoted, even though I had never seen it or heard it, which again shows how valuable we are. And here's what I want to know from you. Are you struggling with your value? Do you feel like you have an inside track on what makes you valuable in a business with your job? If so, I want to hear from you. one 855 Chat BYU, one eight five five chat BYU. We want to hear your ideas about what makes you valuable. What will ensure you keep your job? one eight five five chat BYU would love to hear your ideas. If we get you on the air, we'll give you a copy of my book, Feeding the Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationships, The Starved Stuff. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM one forty three BYU Radio. We talk about NASA spinoffs a lot here, but today we're really spinning some hardware that could cure deadly diseases. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Human insulin for diabetics and the vaccine against hepatitis B are grown in artificial incubators called bioreactors, and they save lives the world over. But more cures and medicines might be made in bioreactors, except that they don't perfectly mimic certain aspects of the world. Some bioreactor-bound drug candidates have a tough time forming properly in an immobile, fixed platform of typical reactors. They need conditions like microgravity to attain their true three-dimensional structure. Low gravity is available in space, of course, but that can be expensive. So, some engineers taking inspiration from an electric drill built prototype-spinning bioreactors and enlisted NASA's support to test the device's value for tissue engineering. The slow tumble of the liquid inside feels like zero-G to the developing crystals or proteins. In 1990, the researchers licensed patents for the rotating wall bioreactor technology and founded a company called Synthicon to commercialize the device. The prototype led to rotary cell culture systems that have since become key tools for medical research. Drug companies use these systems to test new medicines, ones that might cure, say, dizziness? Maybe. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Parenting has never been an easy task. And in today's world, it can be harder than ever. That's why Richard and Linda Iyer are dedicating their lives to educating parents and strengthening families around the world. 
Find out what Richard and Linda can do for your family. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on their show, Eyes on the Road, here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good. Roland, Roland. Hey, now you know who that is, right? That is Ike and Tina Turner. Nothing says valuable more than Ike and Tina Turner in one room at one time. Ike and Tina Turner, that's the song Proud Mary. Hmm. Hmm. That brought back a ton of memories. Doesn't that make your, your toe tap, Bryce? It really does. That's, that's got pep. All right. Pep. Right. You're all pepped up. I am. So now, Bryce, uh, today on the show, we're talking about making yourself invaluable. Now, I have a team full of very, very, very valuable people, right? One of them is you. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> you are one of my very valuable people, and you do these funny things we call a rant, right? I do. We're going to, we're going to experience one right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's worth more, someone who gets the job done or someone who gets the job done well? Don't worry, Bryce has it all thought out. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. So how exactly do you make yourself valuable in the workplace? First off, this is a loaded question. Are we talking valuable in terms of promotability or value as in least likely to be terminated? In a perfect world, these would go hand in hand, but we do not live in a perfect world. So let's take that promotable branch of value. This is more what you'd expect when we're talking about value. This kind of value is the person who effectively and efficiently uses their time and maximizes their ability to produce whatever it is they're supposed to produce. The idea behind this value is that if you're the best, you'll be rewarded the most. But there's a lot of assumptions strewn about. The first one is the assumption that somebody will notice. The second is right on the first one's heels. It's the assumption that someone will care. Bosses do not have to notice, and they do not have to care. A third assumption is that if you're good at your current job, you deserve a higher position. It all depends on perspective, really. If you perform spectacularly at your current job, all it means is that you're good at it. Or maybe you aren't challenged enough. And if someone thinks this, chances are you're going to get assigned someone else's work. Don't forget either, a position up the ladder requires a different set of skills. Maybe it builds on your current job, but it probably doesn't. It's all up in the air, and I'm not particularly comfortable leaving so much up to chance. On the other hand, there's the least likely to be terminated branch of value. This one is where things get interesting. The idea behind this is simple. Don't do anything that'll increase your chances of being the next head on the chopping block. And it really comes down to the function of your boss. Some bosses are there to be mentors. If this is the case, feel free to experiment and attempt to achieve above and beyond what is expected of you. But most bosses are there to make sure that nobody disturbs the sleeping dragon that is the legal department. High performance grabs attention, and with attention comes scrutiny. And I know none of us would purposely do something unethical, but we've all overlooked something important at some point in our lives. How often does the euphoria of doubling our expectations turn into the anxiety of an audit? And while we're talking about expectations, how many of you out there have had the best intentions in doing well only to make your boss look bad? So what I'm saying is there's wisdom in keeping your head down. I won't go as far as championing mediocrity, but if value is about giving people what they want, why do we always assume that more is more valuable? Think about it. When things take a turn for the worst and employers have to think of who to terminate, who do you want to be? As much as I would like to be the person that they think, we can't possibly lose him, I'd much rather be the guy who never gets brought up in that meeting because nobody can remember my name. All right, I'm out. 
And remember, don't forget to be awesome. That's sad. Is it, though? (laughs) So instead of being, like, enormously valuable because you're so skilled, advanced, just incredible, productive, performing, you'd rather be the guy that no one remembers your name. What's that guy's name? What was his name? The guy that rants all the time. It's going to happen, okay? (laughs) There will be a day. One way or another, people will forget your name. They will happen. Well, um, I I totally agree with a lot of what you're saying. And it's messed up. But it's totally true. It kind of is. You know, in a, like I said, in a perfect world, you know, you do well, things are good. Yeah. But it's funny, too, that sometimes we promote people that probably shouldn't be promoted because of, you know, because their dad owns the company. Or, for example, or for example, Japan, their culture is very like if you've been working there longer, you uh, you, know, you deserve it. You deserve it. You well, deserve it. you may not be as skilled, you may not be as able, but you've had you have tenure. Yeah, you have, yeah. Which you know that's important to them. Whatever. That's interesting. Fine. Some universities are even thinking about taking away tenure now. Right. And you know what? As a university student, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. See, we, the rest of us have to work for our job every day, which is why I look for a job every day. <laughs> And you don't even need to really look for it, but it's this—it's ingrained in me. I've got to earn it every day. You're only as good as yesterday. That's true. Get down, make it happen again. Hmm. Well, yours is kind of a depressing view. Well, it kind of was, but that's the point, right? But I guess too, it also depends on the kind of organization you're working in, right? So if you work for a government organization, you just—do you have to like be above and beyond incredible? Uh, you know, or is your job just to just not mess up? I th- you know, I'd say keep your head low. <laughs> keep your head low. Well, that sounds like it's going to be dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. Have you worked in a government job? <laughs> I haven't. No wonder the TSA are so mad at us all when we go through there. I had a TSA agent get mad at my wife because she forgot water in her bag. Oh, yeah? He pulls it out like... <laughs> I, I like to live dangerously. I'll put a whole tube of toothpaste in my bag oh, and my see heavens. what's up. To this day, I haven't – no one's really cared. But like what do you do to get back at these people? Like so he's like, so hey, lady, do you want me to throw this away or do you want to get out a line and go drink it? <laughs> and she's like, I guess toss it. Sorry. First time traveling in a while. I didn't bring toothpaste. I'm not like Bryce Tobin, stuff like that. <laughs> she she does not like to live dangerously. <laughs> she doesn't what live on the all learning. <laughs> So anyway, but you know, someday that guy will be the TSA. He'll be the boss. general manager of five hundred TSAers. Yeah, I don't know. And they'll Maybe. all be frisking everyone. Or, or you have people, for example, uh, with the internet and with smartphones. You have TSA agents who. May get a little overzealous in their inspection. But maybe that's them, that's them trying to be the best they can be. So we're going to promote the overzealous one. Maybe, but sometimes they get a, you know. I mean, in corporate America, we do that all, to, all the time. These people that, you know, get promoted because they make so many great sales, right? So being a good salesman would obviously make you a great manager. So then we promote the bad salesman to be a manager. And then we realize that he's a horrible manager. And our sales have dropped. Yeah. So let's put him back in sales. Shouldn't we just promote the one that should be where they are? It's like you should earn it. See, this is complicated, which is why we brought on Dave Crenshaw, because the rest of us don't have a clue, really. So Dave Crenshaw is going to help us. Now, Dave is an author. He's a speaker. After the break, we're going to bring him on, and he's going to teach us the lessons of his second book. His first book was The Myth of Multitasking, How Doing It All Gets Nothing Done. His, ne- his newest book is called Invaluable, The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable 
is also an organizational behavior bestseller. He is the founder of Invaluable. He's going to coach us on making your life invaluable. Grab the people around you that need to keep their jobs, those that need to make sure that they stay in their jobs, and we are going to talk with an expert on it. Dave Crenshaw up next on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. International affairs can affect our daily lives far more than we realize. Gain detailed knowledge of world events by attending lectures from the Kennedy Center here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Kennedy Center will keep you current with solutions to the most pressing worldwide concerns suggested by top scholars from BYU and abroad. Tune in weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern for Notes from the Kennedy Center. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Immigration reform could be the hot topic on Capitol Hill by next month if President Obama gets his way. He urged lawmakers today to push forward with an effort to make new reforms as quickly as possible. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments in the challenge to California's gay marriage ban tomorrow and Wednesday. The court could also strike down the Clinton-era Defense of Marriage Act during this case. A Michigan law which bans affirmative action for college admission decisions in the state will also be getting attention from the Supreme Court. The law was approved by popular vote when it was passed in 2006. Democratic Arkansas Governor Mike Beebe voted to veto a measure today which would have required voters to show photo ID before being allowed to cast a ballot. Supporters already say they are seeking to override the veto. In Galveston, Texas, authorities are thoroughly investigating the disappearance of a vial containing a deadly virus. Researchers excuse me, say there is no danger to the general public if the vial was stolen, but the current theory is a cleaning crew accidentally destroyed the sample. In world news, a report in this morning's New York Times says Western powers have been providing weapons to aid the Syrian rebel forces as the two-year civil war continues. Opposition forces have now closed in on Damascus, shelling less than a mile away from President Bashir Assad's palace. Prince Harry is headed back to the U.S. to visit troops and victims of Hurricane Sandy. The trip is part of his effort to raise funds for a charity and help rehabilitate soldiers. European Union and Cyprus officials reached a last-minute deal for a bailout today, which is expected to put a higher tax rate on large accounts in the nation, generally regarded as a tax haven. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are taking care of business. And to do so, we've brought on our own uh, specialist here. Dave Crenshaw is joining us. He, Dave is the author of a bunch of, a couple of books, actually. The Myth of Multitasking was his first book. His second book is called Invaluable, The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable. It's also an organizational behavior bestseller. And Dave is a coach. Uh, he's a speaker. He'll go out. He works with businesses all over the country, all over the world, in fact, helping people increase their value, increase their worth. Dave, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to have you again. Now, now, Dave, this idea of invaluable, um, we were just kind of going over it. And again, we don't know, you know, we don't know really what value is. We, um, we just pretend to have some. But one of the keys, I guess, we're wondering about is how you define it. 
because what we were discussing earlier is valuable to one is not always valuable to another. Well, how I define it is that, and we're talking, of course, in a, in a business profes- right. professional sense. I mean, obviously, everyone is invaluable as a human being, but right. in a professional sense, what I define it as is you are so um, important to the company that you're someone that they do not want to live without. Obviously, everybody is replaceable to some degree, but the idea is that you're so valuable, you're doing so much for the business that they don't want to, they don't want to live without you. Well, yeah, they, losing you would be a major loss. So I guess that you're producing, you're producing results at such a level in what you do that it would be a big hit to the organization. Absolutely. And, and where, you know, along with my experience working with business owners and developing this and working with the employees that work in their companies, uh, we also surveyed over a thousand business owners and asked them what were the attributes that to them defined an employee as an inval- as invaluable. And that's, that's really the basics of the research. Oh, the book. wonderful. I mean, because I, I want to get into the attributes. We'll probably do it in a bit. But before we do, I'm thinking, is there a difference, for example, in the attributes of somebody that's invaluable in um, maybe a government business or enterprise versus a, you know, for-profit making cash pro- uh, uh, enterprise? Well, I see it less defined as the type of organization that you're in and more defined by the type of position that you're looking at. Mm, okay. um, so everyone has the opportunity to be invaluable. And I think that's another myth about it is that people think, well, uh, I'm not like uh, Joe. I'm right. not like Sally. I don't have what they have. That's not really what the issue is. The issue is, have you clearly identified the area in which you can be invaluable, and have you maximized your potential with that? Oh, excellent. So it's really personal. What are you bringing to this equation? And you're saying everybody has something to bring to whatever their role is in an organization, and you just got to bring it. Absolutely. It's just a question of discovering what that is, defining it, and then and then constantly working on, on uh, increasing your position, increasing that value. I think that's powerful. It, it seems like too. This is this is um, in this day and age where things can shift on a dime, and you know companies can be shut down immediately, or everything can go online. It seems like you're really only as good as kind of knowing what you bring to the equation. But it also seems like so many of us don't have a clue what we bring. Well, I think the biggest problem that I run into is that um, people go to a university, they go to high school, whatever it is, they get their diploma, and then they feel that their education is done. And that is the, the biggest pitfall that anyone can have with their career. Um, your career, your education should begin at the point at which you get a career. It may not continue in the same way that you've had before where you're going into a classroom with a formal setting, but there are so many opportunities to increase your knowledge, uh, not just about what you're doing within your position, but also within the business or the organization that you work for and making yourself more indispensable every single day uh, with the knowledge that you're gaining. I think that's powerful. I mean, really, because then that starts mounting 
uh, I mean, your value starts increasing and growing and growing with every day, with every new promotion, with every new interaction. It seems like if you if you knew that, if you knew what you bring to the equation and you know how to learn and you know that your learning, you know, didn't is always happening. It seems like your ability to create more value is indefinite. I mean, there's no end. It's you, you always will be able to adapt and create value. Right. You always will. So then the question becomes, why do so many people not do that? Yeah, what, what do you see? Why do seeing? they limit themselves? Well, great question well, you just asked that? yourself, Dave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I feel is that, uh, first of all, it is a cultural thing. Yeah. It is that feeling that we have that education that we got previously was enough. Um, I also think that there is a, a new um, dynamic of people entering the workforce now. Uh, and interestingly, another thing that I did with the book is I interviewed people from the greatest generation. And uh. I want to get uh, to know their perspective. And what I found was actually really surprising to me. I think uh, the, our current generation romanticizes the greatest generation, and we talk about their loyalty and their commitment to the group and everything. And what I found was that they were actually very mercenary in their approach to their career. Hmm. They were actually very aggressive in trying to get raises and in trying to improve their career, but that is the difference. They saw every little opportunity as exactly that, an opportunity, something that they could work on to improve and improve their status. The current generation sees everything as, as a right mm. or a, um, something that's just expected. Well, I go to work for uh, XYZ company, and they're supposed to give me a raise regularly. They're supposed to give me health insurance. And, and they sit back on what they've accomplished in the past. And that, to me, is the defining difference between the greatest generation and the current generations that are entering the workforce. That's so interesting. Cause it, so it's, it's kind of the, uh, the paradigm of earning it versus deserving it, I guess. Right. right. And, yeah, you and had to earn it. And then once you had it, you hang on to it, don't you? That was kind of the that greatest generation. They, they would hang on to stuff. Right. Well, and they'd continue to earn it. They'd yeah. keep maximizing it over and over and over. The interesting thing about it is at least, well, I would not say at least in small businesses, but particularly in small businesses, business owners have, a, have the same expectation of their employees that the, gener- the greatest generation had. In other words, if you're working in a business with an entrepreneur, with a small business owner, they're expecting you yeah. to continually maximize. Right. And if you're expecting them to give you more for the same result, that is a quick ticket out the door. It's a, yeah, I, and I can see that. If you're like a small business owner, you know, you work every day and night. You know you're only as good as your yesterday. <laughs> And so we got to do it again today, and we do it again today, and we do it again today. Um, is there a downside to organizations that that maybe facilitate this myth that you deserve it? You know, you've been here long enough; you no longer need to earn it. I mean, is that a, is that just us kind of organizationally enabling people to to fail? Yeah, well, certainly. And, and the interesting thing about it is. Uh, with the recent recession, we've seen jobs that were traditionally considered um, low risk, you know, yeah. the absolute job security, working for the government, working for a university, uh, working for the state. 
we saw those we've seen those jobs actually become uh, ones that can be cut. Yeah, receding. Those yeah, can still be downsized. Um, so I think that has been a bit of a wake-up call, but I, but there's a cycle that happens where uh, people get really comfortable and complacent. So I think if you're in a leadership position in, a, in an organization like that, you might want to ask yourself, what can we do to make sure that we maintain a culture of entrepreneurship? Not necessarily that we're expecting people to go start their businesses, but that they have that mindset of, uh, that they can improve, and there's more that they can do all the time. Yeah, it seems like that constant battle of you want them to be working like entrepreneurs, but willing to be employed by you. <laughs> and the minute, because it's almost like the minute that some people get in these bureaucracies, the minute they catch the spirit of entrepreneurship, they need to get out from under the bureaucracy <laughs> that might allow them to just kind of sit and coast. I guess. I mean, it's it's an interesting battle, isn't it? Well, and that's that's really where I'm coming from with the perspective of invaluable. What I'm trying to do is teach people to uh, take control of their destinies, take control of their career, and think like an entrepreneur, but not necessarily be one. Because, right. frankly, folks, I work with entrepreneurs. You don't want to be one. They're insane. <laughs> They're nuts. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying that tongue in cheek because I am one. But it, it really takes a little bit of lunacy yeah. to go out and say I'm going to create my own business and start on my own. Um, so that's not necessarily something that you want to do. What you do want to do, though, is take some of the skills, some of those perspectives, and incorporate them into your career and, uh, and not sit back and expect whatever life is going to deal out to you. I, I love it. And I, I, think it's, I think it's also so strong because when you learn that approach and you, I mean, you learn this idea that your confidence should come from you, not your job, not your, you know, not your ability to keep your job. Your confidence comes from knowing these skills, knowing the kind of the spirit of entrepreneurship, the spirit of, and I guess we're going to get into it when we come back. I want to get into have you answering for us, what makes somebody really worth it to their company and, uh, and have you start teaching us some of the things you've learned. We're talking with Dave Crenshaw, the author of Invaluable, The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable. It's an organizational behavior bestseller. And uh, he's also the founder of Invaluable, Inc., which is probably where he's going crazy as an entrepreneur. We'll be back with Dave Crenshaw. You are listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Advanced robot designs compete for a cool $2 million in the latest DARPA challenge. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, called DARPA, conducts and supports all manner of cutting-edge innovation, not only for defense fields, but for civilian-related technology as well. Their previous robotic car challenge catapulted that technology many years forward. Now comes the next robotics challenge, with $2 million as the prize. Robotic hardware will have to negotiate an obstacle course, simulating a disaster scene at a refinery or power plant, going where humans can't, while using tools and vehicles originally designed for people. The bots must drive a jeep through the site, negotiating rubble, stairs, and ladders, using a tool to cut through an obstacle and hook up a cable or hose. Many of the designs being entered are humanoid-shaped. To make these tasks easier, DARPA is loaning some pre-built chassis and software for those teams needing some help. A parallel competition will run for virtual model robots to push the state-of-the-art in robot programming so those who can't bring hardware to the challenge are bringing their best programming skills. The challenge kicked off last fall and runs through December 2014. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There isn't a better way to listen to music than from a live concert. But let's be honest, no one can make it to a concert every night. So on Highway 89, we bring you music like you're actually there at the concert with front row seats. We aren't playing some doctored up recording and there are no do-overs. Instead, we bring raw music straight from our studio to you. Tune in weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern to Highway 89 on BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking care of business. We're learning how to become invaluable. And, uh, you know, everyone out there, you know, we talk about a lot of personal things, marriage stuff. Today we're trying to figure out how in the workplace you can position yourself to be truly so valuable that nobody dares or wants to get rid of you. One idea we learned earlier from Bryce Tobin is just make yourself so unknown and so off the radar that no one ever even knew you were there. But that doesn't seem as effective as the one Dave Crenshaw is teaching us. Dave Crenshaw is the author of the book Invaluable, The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable. He's also the founder of Invaluable, Inc., a coaching and training corporation that has helped transform thousands of businesses around the world. He lives here in Utah with his wife and two children. And uh, Dave, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back. Good to have you. Uh, You're quite valuable, by the way. I appreciate that. (laughs) Just a little plug. So, Dave, tell us. Now, your your definition of valuable is that they're that these people are so they're adding so much to the organization, to the situation, the team, whatever they're on, that you cannot fathom losing them. That's your definition. So, what are some of the things that makes that, that will make somebody stand out as truly adding that value? Well, uh, so as I mentioned, we uh, surveyed over a thousand uh, business owners and got their perspective on what makes an invaluable employee. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up first by uh, using uh, an acronym. Of course, all of us guys have to have acronyms. Need an right? acronym, yep. Well, it's not an acronym. It's just six letters. Oh, okay. It's spelled out uh, SAIFCAB. It's uh, S-A-I-F-C-A, and that stands for Savvy, Ability, Focus, or Irreplaceability, Focus, Connection, and Authority. Cool. Yeah, it doesn't spell anything, though. No, no, it sounds kind of like some Yiddish word. But. Yeah, that's okay. You know, some people speak Yiddish. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, or read Yiddish. So tell me, what's the last one? Connect? And authority. Authority. Okay, so fill us in. So first one, savvy, meaning these people get it. They get yeah. what's going on. Well, it's it's that understanding that I mentioned before of the business. It's mm. having savvy about what's going on in the market, what's going on in the business, what's going on in the trends in the world in general. Uh, again, you know, like that example that you mentioned of putting your head down and yeah. just hoping that no one mo- notices you. That's exactly the worst thing that you could possibly do. It's the exact you opposite want to of value. Your horizon. Right. Correct. Yeah. 
And um, that means that you become a student of the business, a mm. student of its customers, a student of what is going on. Um, I use the comparison of, of an Olympic swimmer. Uh, you, you imagine someone who has spent their whole life training, honing their body to perfection, getting ready for this big event, and then the gun fires, and they're still on the, the starting block. Right. And... Savvy represents your ability to have perfect timing. One of the attributes that business owners would say is that uh, invaluable employees have the ability to anticipate needs before they're even asked to do them. Hmm. Huge. Well, then all yeah. of a sudden you're putting out the fire before it even was a fire. You're fixing things. You're, you're, right. Yeah. That's, I mean, talk about right. value right there. You just saved us money and none of us even really know it because you didn't let it blow up. Exactly. And people feel that you're a mind reader. Well, it has nothing to do with being a mind reader. It has everything to do with you being educated about what the needs of the business are. Yeah. No, but that's really, Dave, that's just you being a suck-up. That's what people would say. But you know what? If being a suck-up means I know what I'm doing, okay. Guilty. Right. But savvy, yeah, that's and, huge. And I think there are probably other uh, aspects where they might uh, think more about that. Right. Uh, you know, that might relate more to connection, but this, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But this is really, you're a student of the business, and you anticipate, you, you get it. You get what's going on, you get where the market trends, you get what the customers need. Yeah, intuition is the result of preparation, and so you want to make sure that you're continually prepared. That's huge. Great. Savvy. Okay, ability. Okay, so ability, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's just simply the idea that you're regularly improving your ability. Uh, and so if you've heard of the book, um, Talent is Overrated, um, you, you'll know that really what it comes down to is the fact that you've spent enough time to get mastery. Most people uh, expect, again, their education to make them a master of something, and right. that is not the case. We want to continually improve, which means part of what you want to do is create a, a curriculum for yourself. Uh, go regularly and get books related to what you do. So if you're a computer programmer, you want to always be involved in books, on uh, blogs, on websites, on videos, things that will continually enhance your ability to be a computer programmer. And share, I mean, to me, that's what's so powerful. If all of a sudden you're the student of your own business, your abilities are constantly going up, and you're willing to share it, uh, again, you're valuable. I guess sharing it will probably come down to connecting again or something. But Yeah, and the authority, absolutely. That's powerful. And, uh, and two, there, there's nothing more powerful than being the best read in your industry, knowing the trends. Again, it, it seems like every one of these, I guess as we go through them, it not only makes you invaluable, it makes you easily going to be picked up again. You're going to get another job if you did get laid off because you've got this stuff. Right. And that's, that's the thing is there, the only job security, there's no job security in terms of a career anymore. There's no job security in terms of the business that you work for. The only job security is the one that you give yourself. Hmm. Huge. Enhancing these things. Love it. What's uh, the irreplaceable? Okay, so irreplaceability is an interesting one. What it means is that you are doing your, your activities. I, I refer to them in the book as the most valuable activities. And your most valuable activities are the two things that you do that would cost most to hire someone else to do. 
Hmm. Most people now don't have just one job description. They have multiple job descriptions, multiple requirements. The question is, do you know which aspects of your job are the most difficult, the most costly to replace? That's huge. And are you spending your time on it? Yeah. And that relates really to the next one, which is focus. So first, irreplaceability is identifying those. And then second, focus is saying, okay, now I need to protect my time. I need to make sure that of the, the 40 hours a week, the 50 hours a week that I'm working, I am spending the majority of my time in my most valuable activities. But usually the opposite is true. Most people are spending the majority of their time in their least valuable activities. Yeah, I think of all these, uh, you know, the salespeople that they, they're really, their core to their job would be going out and making those calls, you know, the cold calls or whatever that they just don't want to do. And so many of them don't want to go make those calls. They don't want, they'll do everything else instead of that. Except funny, it doesn't, you're not irreplaceable. If you, I mean, the hard guy to find is the one that'll make his calls every day. Yeah, and uh, I talk about least valuable activities being the, the really easy things to do. Well, the reason why they're least valuable activities, the reason why they, co- they would cost the least to have someone else do them is because anyone can do them. Right. They're easy. And so it's doing those hard things, doing those things that take uh, more inertia to get going. That's what makes you irreplaceable. And, and again, I think you're bringing up a powerful point about it's got to be a choice because most people would rather just do the easy things, too. It's, but these, these people that are invaluable are choosing to make sure that they focus their time on their most valuable parts. I mean, it's not just because they like it. I mean, a lot of these guys still don't like doing the cold call or whatever, but they do it because that's what makes them successful. Right. And, uh, and part of this, too, is also having a conversation with the people that you work with. If you manage people, you want to have a co- this conversation with them. If, uh, if you're managed by someone, you want to have converse- this conversation. And, the, and what you want to do is uh, list out the activities that you're performing, both of you are performing, and then have a conversation with each other. Yeah. Which of these are your most valuable activities? Your job and your position is to help your supervisor stay in their most valuable activities. Period. That's huge. If you can keep them in their most valuable activities, you're going to be irreplaceable. And, and that kind of leads to a great question that anyone can ask that will help them become irreplaceable, which is ask your supervisor, what can I do to make your job easier for you? Hmm. Now, the average employee is scared to ask that question. Right. And the reason why they're scared is because they're afraid that it's going to cause the person to think about what they're not doing. Right. But, the, but again, this is one of those, those things that happens the opposite of what you would expect. When you ask that question, you immediately raise your value in the other person's mind because now you're viewed as helpful. What's the question again? Restate it. What can I do to make your job easier for you? That's huge. That is so, I mean, really, that's what, if I knew everyone around me was just wanting to know what they can do to make my job easier, and then you delivered it, wow. You are valuable. Right. The last thing I need and is somebody in there that's not doing that. People you work with. Yeah. That's huge. So is the question, and then making the list of stuff and talking to your your supervisor is that how is that the connection part? We're going to connect and make sure we're on the same page. 
Connection is very different. Okay. Um, you could insert the word networking here. Okay. Um, this really refers to the the six degrees of separation, which, thanks to fo- Facebook, uh, recent studies have shown it's more like five degrees of separation. It's shrinking. So that idea that yeah, yeah, exactly. E- every person in the world is connected uh, on average by about four and a half people. Wow. Uh, but here's what I've seen, and I experienced this recently. I saw someone who reached out to me and wanted help uh, with their job. They, their company that they're working with folded, and they wanted help. Now, this person had not regularly contacted me prior to that spot. Hmm. They had not built connections. And connection is usually something that people think about or do in the moment of crisis, which is the worst time to yeah, do it. Right. Um, this needs to be an ongoing process where you're, you're staying in touch with people, you're reaching out to people, you're using social networking, in particular LinkedIn, as a tool to maintain those contacts and build relationships over time. Love it. I mean, really, I mean, if you're doing it reactively in the emergency, it's too late. You you probably haven't built a deep enough well to be able to support and sustain it long term. Right. And it's not perceived as genuine right. in that moment. But if you're someone who has regularly gone out of their way to share your resources, to share your expertise, to make connections with other people, you're, that is really one of the greatest things that you can do in terms of job security. Yeah. Because uh, now you're building this this massive network, and which is both a, a way to uh, help each other get the resources that you need, but also to build this massive safety net mm-hmm. underneath you in the case that something goes wrong. Because it really is. It's you see that a lot on LinkedIn or somewhere where you have your people that are you know linked into you, and they they send out, hey, just lost my job, would love to. If anyone out there has a clue, but sometimes you're wondering, now, who who are you? I don't exactly. even, I don't even I don't know, know you. Who this guy is. Yeah, but if we've been right. talking or chatting, yeah, that's huge. And why do you think we don't? Why does it take so long to to slide into that? I mean, I guess it's just we're not we're not working it. Well, I think there's a lack of knowledge of how to do it and a, and misconceptions. I mean, one of the things that you mentioned was, well, you're a kiss up if you do this. Yeah, right. Uh, and and if if you're doing wrong, then yes, you're a kiss up. <laughs> yeah, right. If you're doing it right, then you're helpful. Yeah. Then you're just a, a nice person doing nice things for people. And I can tell you that the the more I've advanced in my career, the people that I've seen who are the most successful are the people who are just helpful. That's right. They, I love they, they're it. friendly to others and they're kind. And, and I think also part of the problem is it's because some people are still talk, stuck in the high school mentality yeah. of people who rose to the top of the people who are pushing others down. Yeah. Well, it flips when you, when you become an adult. Uh, and and people ha- it may perceive it that way, but the reality is the people who are most successful are those who are, who are helpful, lifting who others, are kind, yeah. who are building others. Uh, see, that's awesome. It doesn't even sound like business. You're not even talking right. business there, Dave. Dave, we're going to take a break. We're at the top of the hour, but I want you to hang on, and we'll come back. I want to pick your brain on the last one. The last uh, tool you were giving us is authority, how to make sure that we are the authority in our in our area of expertise, as well as a couple of other questions, talk about some of the mistakes we might be making. We're talking with Dave Crenshaw, the author of the book Invaluable, The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable. Right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. You've just listened to part of our show. Is there anything you're wondering about? Do you have a question you need answered or a thought to share? Maybe you have a story you'd like to tell. Call into BYU Radio during one of our talk shows and chat with one of our hosts. The number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We'd love to hear from you. Just call 855-CHAT-BYU. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new ban on assault weapons may have been cut out of a Senate bill headed for a vote soon, but now President Obama is calling for the ban to be brought back as an amendment to the bill and asking for all senators to vote on the measure publicly. California's Proposition 8, which currently bars same-sex marriage in the state, is facing a challenge in the Supreme Court this week. Along with the case goes the fate of the Clinton-era Defense of Marriage Act, which is also being reviewed. A Michigan law which bans affirmative action for college admission decisions in the state will also be getting attention from the nation's high court. The law was approved by a popular vote when it was passed in 2006. Democratic Arkansas Governor Mike Beebe vetoed a measure today which would have required voters to show photo ID before being allowed to cast a ballot. Supporters already say they are seeking to override the veto. In Galveston, Texas, authorities are thoroughly investigating the disappearance of a tube containing a deadly virus. Researchers say there is no danger to the general public if the vial was stolen, but the current theory is a cleaning crew accidentally destroyed the sample. In World News, a report in this morning's New York Times says Western powers have been providing weapons to aid the Syrian rebel forces as the two-year civil war continues. Opposition forces have now closed in on Damascus, shelling less than a mile away from the presidential palace. Prince Harry is headed back to the U.S. to visit troops and victims of Hurricane Sandy. The trip is part of an effort to raise funds for his charity and help rehabilitate soldiers. European Union and Cyprus officials reached a last-minute deal for a bailout today, which is expected to put a higher tax rate on large accounts in the nation generally regarded as a tax haven. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody. Working for the weekend. Loverboy, a.k.a. Skyboy. Great song. I love it when we get these really good bumper songs, Guy. Me too. It makes my toe tap. Especially this one because I wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Loverboy. We're talking with Dave Crenshaw about being invaluable. So think about it, you know, are, are you invaluable? Would would everybody be out some major abilities and skills and tools if you quit, if you went away? In fact, our own Sam McCall, uh, who does our news there, just made a comment to someone before he went on the air that he um, he's getting a motorcycle. And then I just sarcastically made the, the joke, oh, well, I'm going to miss him. And um, it doesn't mean he's dying just because he has a motorcycle. But are you so invaluable that everything would be lost? That because you're bringing to the equation everything Dave Crenshaw has been teaching us. Dave wrote the book uh, Invaluable, The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable. And uh, he's a business coach, a speaker, author. Uh, He's created his own company called Invaluable. It's a coaching and training company. But he's been teaching us, Dave has been teaching us about being savvy and having ability 
and um, focus and learning to connect. And Dave, welcome back to the program as we're wrapping up this topic of becoming valuable. Thanks, Matt. It really is. It's, it's such an important thing because it's one thing, I guess, to go get a job. It's another thing to actually be so invaluable that you can either keep your job, stretch your job, and, and you know even ask for more money in your same company, heaven forbid, or be confident if you lost your job that, that you are irreplaceable. So this last area of, of your – what are you calling these, the, these things you learned in your research? The invaluable factors. The invaluable factors. factors. Yeah. And this was from studying a thousand businesses, talking with them, finding out what they find is invaluable in their people. The last one we haven't really talked about too much is authority. What do you, what do you mean by that? Authority means that you are recognized as a leader in that area. Uh, so if we're talking about just within a business, it means that within the company or the organization, you're recognized as the person who knows the most about whatever it is that's important to the business. And, and so that's the first stage. And then the second stage is that you're recognized outside of the business. Yeah. You're an industry uh, authority in that area. Which would come and if you were doing your networking, right? If you were out networking effectively. Well, that helps. Uh, yet it, this is a different level. Because uh, the connection is a one-to-one relationship. Okay. Yeah. Authority is a one-to-many relationship. Hmm. So that's where, uh, for instance, you may have a blog. You may have a, a YouTube channel. Uh, you may even have written a book or have magazine articles or been printed in scholarly research. All of these kinds of things have a huge effect and a multiplier on your value. But again, hmm. it's one of the most neglected ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because everyone's thinking, I can't do a blog too. I've got to be a, I'm working in my business. I'm, I don't have time to be a leader everywhere else. Well, having a radio show like yours is a perfect example, though, of authority. It allows you to establish that recognized, hey, uh, Matt is an expert in yeah. something. See? And there are lots of different ways to do this. What I, what I like to do is talk about creating your library. Hmm. And that library can be anything that you're comfortable with, whether it's shooting video, whether it's uh, recording audio and doing a little podcast or just writing something. You can start to establish that library right now. I love uh, that idea. Yeah, I mean, and, it's like pick that topic that like if you just read a book, like you you you've been. It's funny as you're sitting here, you're modeling it all, Dave, because you're you're dropping all of these book titles and have you read this and have you seen this? But the funny thing is, is if anyone's out there has just read a book in your area of expertise, you could write a little blog on it. You could take each chapter and write down three things you learned. And it doesn't, you're not, you don't have to be out there all self-promotional, but you can be a resource for other articles, other things. Hey, I just found this. Have you guys read this? People need help. They need guidance. Yeah, you can start just by participating in in discussion groups. Pick a forum on LinkedIn. Uh, and and have a conversation there. You know, I, I was uh, I spoke in Ghana uh, at a, a conference, and they brought in some young professionals uh, from Africa and gave them an opportunity to talk to people to be mentored. And there was a young man there, and he was talking about how frustrated he was that all of the good mining and oil industry jobs seemed to go to foreigners. Ah, yeah. And so what I said to him was, and he's talking about how he's going into these interviews and he had his degree. And I said, well, when you go into your interviews, what can you refer them to? 
why yeah. not create a blog that talks about what the trends are in the mining and oil industry right. and be able to show them mounds of research when you go in? And that same principle can apply to anyone. Absolutely. Well, and then that's what I even see. You know, if you've got a blog following or, a you know, a following of, of people that are actively engaged in your own conversation on your website – Imagine your future or prospective boss is looking at that and seeing how much you're actually stirring the pot of of uh, of you know learning of growing. I mean that's that's so valuable. And then to know that you're going to bring that knowledge base and even that dialogue into their organization that is invaluable. Yeah. Now I'd like to step it back just a little bit to the micro scale too, because yeah. because I mentioned there are two stages. The first stage is just within your business. Um, sometimes these these are called subject matter experts, mm-hmm. but it's someone who knows how to do something in the business the best, uh, a system, a process. Perhaps you're the person who wrote the system or process within the business. Right. That was another thing that, that popped out in, those, uh, in the, the surveys that we sent to business owners, that this person knew how to do a certain process better than anyone else, and they depended upon them because of that. So you can make yourself an authority just within the, the little circle of the organization where you're working. That's powerful. I And what's funny is even use the learning from the organization. I mean, that's what's so funny about our, about our organizations is it used to be the information was just contained inside the company, and they could keep all the conversations and everything down, but with the, you know, with the advent of internet and chatting and texting and all of this, this outsourcing of information, you're no longer just, you no longer, you can get information anywhere about anything. So the ability to have the conversation and be the thought leader inside or outside is, is immense. It also seems like that takes some confidence. I mean, it takes some confidence to kind of dare go there and think of yourself as an expert, too. I think where the confidence comes from is making sure that you're picking the right path. Mm. And and what I mean by that is um, I would lack confidence if I were to try to write about or be an expert on automobiles. I know absolutely nothing about car engines. (laughs) But I stand in awe of several of my friends who who own auto repair businesses or who just know this stuff because they spend their spare time doing it. Right. So pick an area where you're already confident in, and then you'll be able to more easily write about it, talk about it, speak to others about yeah. it. Yeah, and what's great is and, – and use it with your own ability. I mean to have an auto mechanic speak simply is powerful. You know, to and to have so you don't have to be what everyone else is. Be what you uniquely bring to your industry. What um, What are some other mistakes you see that that we're making out there? Some myths about being irreplaceable. What are some other mistakes you see that we just aren't doing right? Yeah, well, the the one that we've kind of hinted at, which is this idea that uh, I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to stay out off the radar. And make sure that I'm not not mentioned. That's that's a huge yeah. mistake. What you need to be doing is making sure that you're being thought of and mentioned in a positive sense continually. Right. Uh, because it really doesn't matter what you've done for the business. What matters is what you've done for the business lately. Hmm. 
and it, it, you've Whatever you've accomplished in the past, fantastic, celebrate it, give yourself a pat on the back, and accomplish something new. Mm, that's it, great. It, it must be repeated over and over. What about this idea, too? Because it seems like some people think that your best way to be irreplaceable is to go put in 80 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. And I guess um, you are, hour for hour, probably more valuable <laughs> because you're giving so much. But you don't always have to work that much to be that valuable. Well, and I will say that part of this goes back to savvy. Part of this goes to, goes to the concept of what is the company that you work for. Mm -hmm. If the company culture that you work for um, cherishes, cherishes 80 hours a week, uh, then perhaps that is what you need to do. Yeah. Um, personally, if I were in a business like that, I would look for another place to work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or die. Right. Yeah. Right. But you must you must operate within the values of the organization that you're a part of. Um, and make sure that you understand them, though. I spoke to a, a large construction firm uh, not long ago, and the, I was speaking to groups of estimators there, and they were complaining about the long hours that they needed to work. And the CEO of the business got up and said, I want to tell you all that you're all wrong. <laughs> we, we believe in family here. And if you're working those long hours, then you're doing it wrong. And that's part of the reason why we brought Dave in here to talk to you about it is to teach you how to do it the right way. But don't think that we want you to work 60, 70 hours a week in order to get the job done. That's not what we believe in. Isn't and that again, amazing? that showed a lack of savvy yeah. about, the, about the business. It, it really is. It's, it's not enough to just be, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to push my values. I guess you could try to push your values in your organization, but if you're going to do it, I guess you I'd use savvy. I'd use ability. I'd use focus. Yeah. I'd use every skill set I've got and maybe ought to wait till it is your business before you push your values on it. Well, and where I come from with this, I'm going to tell you the other side of what I tell business owners. Yeah. Their job is to hire people who match the values of the business. Right. And if they have someone who's working for them who does not work, match the values of the business, that person needs to leave yeah. for their benefit and for the business's benefit. So I think the same thing applies. I think that as employees, you can ask yourself, am I really working in a place that matches my values? Because trust me, there are 600,000 new businesses are starting every year. And wow. I can guarantee you there is a business out there that matches your values. You may have not just found you may have just not found it yet, or you had to settle, or whatever the situation is. But keep your mind open, keep your eyes open for opportunities to to go to a place where you're more comfortable. It will help the business more, and it'll help you more. Well, it, it seems like if you're aligned to your business, your value goes up exponentially. If you're not aligned, then your value is going to start being chipped away at, and it's going to minimize it. You've got to be aligned. You know. Right. Uh, one of my favorite businesses is Zappos.com. And, and Tony uh, Jay, who's the CEO of the company, was actually kind enough to provide an endorsement for Invaluable. And one of the things that they do is they hire based on values. They hire based on values so strongly that after they go through the training program with the initial employees, employees they offer people a large sum of money. I believe most recently it was $2,000 wow. to leave the business. Really? Yeah, they teach people everything about what it is to be a Zappos employee. Now, they have a pretty rigorous screening process before that, 
But then after they go through that process, they say, you know, if you leave right now, we'll pay you $2,000. And to, to the last count that I've heard, no one takes them on it anymore. Yeah. Because they're hiring so tightly to those company values. And the company values are part of every single thing that they do every single day. Wow, that's powerful. Good stuff. So Dave Crenshaw, where do they find out more about you? They can go to DaveCrenshaw.com, right? Yeah, DaveCrenshaw.com is the best place to go. They can get your books, uh, your blogs. They can find everything out about you. They can even watch some videos of you teaching a lot of this. Yeah, and I would say that if it's your first time visiting, the best thing to do, there's a little thing that says free assessment. You can get a free chaos assessment, which is where we have a live person who figures out how much chaos you have in your personal and oh, wow. life, and then we send you a, a free personalized report. That's you know that's that could be good or that could be chaotic. Once I guess nothing <laughs> nothing more less chaotic than knowing you've got chaos. I guess. Well, either way, you're going to get some help. That's right, and it, and you offer a lot of great help on that site, Dave. So appreciate you being on the show. I highly suggest you get out there and check out Dave's new book, um, Invaluable: The Secret to Becoming Irreplaceable. Also, another one that I've looked at is uh, The Myth of Multitasking: How Doing It All Gets Nothing Done. Dave, you're a good man. You got some great stuff to give. Thank you very much, Matt, for having me on. You bet. You're invaluable. And we'll have you on again, I know, to pick your brain. DaveCrenshaw.com. Check it out. Great place to learn where uh, and how to begin. And if you're in chaos, I'm going to send our whole team there. See what happens. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back to wrap up this show on creating value right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A breakthrough in reading brain signals leads to prosthetic limbs that work based on your thoughts. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. By changing how we think about how the brain operates the body, Dr. Andrew Schwartz may have cracked the code on controlling artificial limbs with very natural control and precision. A typical prosthetic arm is controlled by whatever muscles and nerve pathways the patient can still use. By flexing living muscles in the shoulder, the user can activate sensitive switches in a powered arm and hand. That's a tough process to master, retraining another set of muscles to do an unrelated job, and it can't help someone with more profound nerve damage or spinal injuries. Dr. Schwartz and a team at Johns Hopkins are pioneering a better method for limb control by tapping directly into the brain with a grid of 192 cranial probes that read the shape of a motor control impulse. Think about grabbing a cup. A computer sees the characteristic impulse and translates that thought into smooth arm motions. The paralyzed test patient was able to high-five her doctors within a day of being connected, and her progress has been incredibly rapid since. Brain control may someday become routine for physical rehabilitation, using limbs driven directly by thoughts. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU All-American quarterback Robbie Bosco. We were playing at the University of Pittsburgh. It was my first collegiate football game, and I was so nervous. I wasn't even sure if I should be the quarterback or not. My first three passes were incomplete. The first pass I threw was about 20 feet over the receiver's head. I couldn't believe I threw it like that. 
and then my next two passes were just weren't even close to being completed. As I was walking off the field, Coach Edwards was walking towards me and I thought, oh boy, this is the end. He's going to yank me and he's going to tell me that they're going to let another guy come in and see what he can do. But he came over, put his hands on my shoulder, told me to relax, told me that I was their guy and not to worry about anything else, just go out there and play. Having him believe in me changed my life. Chances are the relationships that changed your life started at BYU. Share your story at alumni.byu.edu slash update. Remember when, remember why. BYU alumni connected for good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today on the show, we've been talking about being invaluable and trying to create a condition in your world, especially in your workplace, where you are so valuable, you just, you know, they just got to keep you. And along with that, we've we've talked about some other, you know, we've talked to Dave Crenshaw, who gave us a huge list of, of tools, ideas that we could use. One, one of them, my favorite, is just simply the idea that... Um, at some point, it's, I guess it's everything he was talking about. Savvy, having the ability in your job, being truly irreplaceable because you're so good at what you do. Focused, you, you can focus on what you do best. You know how to connect and network with everyone. You truly are an industry authority. If you have all of that going for you, you do not need to worry about being let go. Uh, however, there's another principle that might be at play. As you're trying to be promoted through an organization, and the principle is called the Peter Principle, and Rob is here to help us talk about the Peter Principle now because it's all new to me. Is it? This is all new. This isn't. You're not into the corporate uh, organizational behavior literature. Yeah, I haven't been hanging around corporations enough yet to know. So, so here's a very simple Wikipedia-like definition: the Peter Principle is a belief in an organization where promotion is based on achievement, success, and merit that organizations members will eventually be promoted beyond their level of ability. So if you're a good guy and you just produce at over time we will then promote you and we will eventually promote you until you become incompetent. We will promote you to the point that you no longer will be able to deliver and that's when you're done. And I'll have the most responsibility so I'll be able to do the most damage. And the entire – exactly. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier. But the principle is commonly phrased, employees tend to rise to their level of incompetence. In a more formal parlance, the effect could be stated as employees tend to be given more authority until they cannot continue to work competently. And it was formulated initially by Lawrence J. Peter and Raymond Hull in the 1969 book, The Peter Principle. So it's kind of funny, but to me, it's actually fairly true. We, we have a really good sales rep. He, he does a great job making sales. He makes good money. He's above everybody else. So we decide we, we're going to make him the sales manager. And then we put him in there. Now, he may not have any skills or abilities to be the sales manager, but because he was good at something, we think he'll be good at another. And odds are that's going to probably cause some failure. What have you found in your research? Well, I th- what I find interesting, and I'm not trying to pick politically on any one side or another because there's right. examples all over the place. But if you think back to Hurricane Katrina, is that poor guy is running FEMA. Yeah. And even he in the end says, hey, can I quit now? Get me out of here. <laughs> I don't want to do this. But his name was Michael Brown. I guess it still is Michael Brown. Yeah. He worked with the International Arabian Horse Association. Well, sure. You see the, you see the connection. 
I don't know. I mean, An executive in the Arabian Horse Association. I wouldn't describe uh, yeah, Arabian horses as being a disaster in any means <laughs> of the word. The, the, but he was politically collect, connected, and he then was probably appointed, I guess, by President Bush. Well, it sounds like he was really, really good at working as the head of the Arabian Horse Association. Yeah. It's important. But the problem is when you put him into running disaster management, suddenly it was apples and oranges and he just couldn't quite. And even after everything started falling apart, he went to President Bush and said, eh, can I be removed from yeah, my position? I, mean, I just don't think. Can you think of anything, though, more difficult, honestly, than running a major, major governmental agency with all the bureaucracy, all the laws? I mean, really, who should be promoted to that are the ones that are the professional you know, support staff that have been running government agencies for years. That's true. I mean, I, I can only imagine, but I, I imagine you have a group of people who are always working in the same agency yeah. and they're career people. But then the boss, well, that's a nominated position. That's right. somebody who gets, and the bosses come and go. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you come to town, you've never worked in government before, you got nominated, you get a pay raise, it's great, you have a title. And the sports staff kind of goes, oh, it's fine. Well, why should we really care about you? You're going to be gone in three or four years anyway. Yeah. Well, and then all of a sudden, I, it's weird. It's And I saw it a lot when I would go do consulting with companies. We we want to pay tribute to somebody's excellence. We want to have some upwardly mobile track where I can keep moving you along to keep you interested in being in the company. So, you know, let's just put you in leadership positions. Yet – Honestly, some people are not cut out for leadership. And interestingly, how many times I can't – oh, I mean literally as I just go work with executives, how many times they just wish they could go back to their old life where they just had to do what they loved to do, which was sell, or where they just loved to do, which was speak. I I love to speak, but don't make me organize my own speaking business because that's a nightmare for me. I I should not be – I have reached my level of incompetence now. I can speak, but don't make me organize it. I can do a radio show, but don't make me produce it. Don't make me look at Skyboy pushing the buttons. You want to board op it? No. Do you know how that would that would be horrendous? No, it's the best. See, that's April the Fool's Day's coming up. Why don't you guys trade jobs for the day? Oh, Ooh. let's do it. Well, actually, I guess we wouldn't have a show that day then. Yeah. It would never be on the air. Ha 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 ha. Well, this is interesting. So, if you're out there in listener land. And you've got, you know, you, you want to be a valuable person. You want to add to your, your group. You want to make sure you have longevity in your job. Here's some advice just from simple old Matt. Find something you're good at. A really great thing I would do very quickly is I would identify what my strengths are. There's a great book out there that says uh, that's called First Break All the Rules and Then Begin with Your Strengths. Those are two books by, written by a guy named Marcus Buckingham. And basically his premise is your job is not to be good at everything. And I think Dave Crenshaw did a killer job explaining to us what we should be good at. Be good at being savvy in your job. Don't ever assume you know enough. Make sure you are able, able, capable, that you have the skills you need to actually improve upon your job. What if you actually improved your systems instead of just taking the systems that everyone before you had handed down? What if you could actually realize and and truly learn to focus? What if you could start saying no to some of the things that you should be saying no to? Uh, know what your yeses are in your company. I think, too, one of your most important things that makes you invaluable is being somebody that's teaching others and being abundant. 
the most abundant people I know, the ones that even when they don't have to, are still willing to give the skills, the tools to share their best practices with the people they work with. If you're a truck driver driving down the road, when you're sitting at a flying J or refueling or whatever you do, I'd be picking everyone else's brains. Find out what the other great truck drivers are doing. Learn what's a best practice and identify what the best practices are and then be willing to share. And I guess most importantly, remember, our confidence should not come from our job. That's scary. Your confidence should not come from the fact that you're married or your job or you're, the fact that you're a member of the Kiwanis. It should not come from the truck you drive. It should not come from how many kids you have. Your confidence should come from your abilities to get results effectively with people and to get results today without hindering your ability to get results tomorrow. Do you know how to keep your job and do you know how to get one tomorrow? If you don't, it's time to start working on it because heaven knows, you know, crazy things happen. So appreciate you listening to us. We got a great week full of shows for you. Join us tomorrow for more great ideas, more tools, a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. We're trying to give you a smarter life, smarter relationships right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.